Hello and welcome to Real Living. This is Slovenia Spirito with Mary Lou Nemacek and this is our fourth show on our recent pilgrimage to Rome and Assisi. I think we've basically beaten the whole Assisi, Siena, Orvieto, Loreto uh, theme to death. And we've told you about the first few days of our pilgrimage in Rome. What else is there to speak about, Mary Lou? Well, we were spending the day actually at St. Peter's Basilica because we toured the church. We did the Scavi tour. And then the last tour we did was through the Vatican Museums, mm -hmm. which is always fun. Um, you see lots of statues and miscellaneous things and the maps room and all of that and great art. It's, it's a wonderful tour, but where do we end up? We end up in the Sistine Chapel, right? Yep. Which is the Piesta Resistance. <laughs> Unfortunately, I usually request a private tour for our groups, but for some reason we were not able to get it this time. But I, you know, even though there were people, we were able to sit down. Most of our people was we were able to sit down and just look at the ceiling, right? I'm, the, I'm spoiled. I love it when we're just I there know. by ourselves. I hear you. Because they have benches, mm -hmm. and you could actually lay down on the benches and look up mm -hmm. to see everything. And it's and when there's people there, you're all you're always supposed to be silent and so on and so forth. But it's it's hard to maneuver. It wasn't as crowded as as I've I've been there before when it's been wall to wall people. It was wonderful seeing it. I think everyone experienced what they need to um, to see the the Last Judgment and all the frescoes and it's it's always breathtaking. It's always so much to take in that you can you know you could stand there for hours trying to figure this all out and see each and every panel. But it's um, it's well worth it. And that is, you know, the ultimate thing to see when you're... I, I couldn't agree more. And I love the access. Before you even get step into the Sistine Chapel, you go through the Raffaello rooms. You go through the rooms frescoed by Raphael, mm -hmm. Raffaello Sanzio, uh, which also uh, is just pretty breathtaking. I mean, you know, images in every textbook that you've ever written, I mean, uh, read, are mm -hmm. come from, uh, from Raffaello and also from... The Sistine Chapel. Now, the Sistine Chapel is called Sistine Chapel because of Pope Sixtus, who's the one who actually completed it mm -hmm. in the 1600s, and because Michelangelo Bonarroti uh, frescoed uh, at the beginning of his career and at the end of his career. So he did the ceiling early on, and the ceiling has just basically episodes from the scriptures. Uh, the ceiling does. Creation. And then mm -hmm. creation and all that, the famous ones. And then, of course, you have um, scenes from uh, people in the genealogy of Christ are on there. You have uh, the prophets, and prophets. you have the sibyls mm -hmm. representing the wisdom of God transmitted to people through the prophets of God, but also through pagan prophets, which I thought was interesting. That that whole that's a very C.S. Lewis sort of view. That um, yes, there is there are pagans, but a lot of pagan insight could also be pre-Christian. You know, could be pointing to. Right, uh, a fuller revelation, right? right? And then at the end of his life, Michelangelo was invited back to paint the famous wall of the Last Judgment, which is what I think everybody's familiar with, right? The famous right. Last Judgment, beautiful colors that really weren't apparent until the whole place was restored, thanks to a Japanese camera company, <laughs> film company, mm -hmm. Fuji. Um, 
in the late 80s. So I remember seeing the Sistine Chapel when it was basically black, you know, I mean, it was, right. it was, it was covered with this gray, black, you, uh, cloudy you, stuff. I, I saw it in 1968 and, you know, you're looking up and you're wondering, what am I looking at? Mm -hmm. It was that cloudy. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, wasn't it in the late nineties that they finished that work and oh my gosh, the colors are so brilliant and they restored it. They didn't repaint it or anything. They did restore it. And it took a long time, but it's 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 gorgeous. Yeah, it is absolutely breathtaking. And I would advise whoever goes to Rome, pay the extra money. Find a top private tour if you can of the Sistine Chapel. It's quite expensive, but I think it's probably worth it. But even, you know, even without doing the private chapel, I mean, the private tour, I think we did pretty well. Yes, so then we what did we do, Mary Lou? Well, that ended our, our day. And the next day, it was early to rise because that was the general papal audience. It was mm -hmm. Wednesday morning. Mm -hmm. And since it's wintertime, there is a building that you go into for the audience. Mm -hmm. And um, again, the time of the year, it's much better because you don't have the hordes of people running in mm -hmm. there trying to get seats. So I know that our group got good seats um, to view the Pope. And we had one person... Uh, Julie, who was using a wheelchair, so if you're in a wheelchair, you get to go up front, and the mm -hmm. person pushing the wheelchair. So I think next time I'm going to rent a wheelchair. So I know, right? Up there, because the, the Pope will literally come down and shake hands and so forth with those people that are in the wheelchairs. Mm -hmm. And um, Julie and he was... was Ecstatic. I mean, and she, it was and he just, was in a wheelchair himself. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And um, we have pictures of it, and it's just remarkable. Um, just the joy on her face, and um, and I and think everyone that was and, there enjoyed it. It's and um, her roommate Susan too, who you know, yes, took yes. on a lot of responsibility yes. for her. So, yeah, it was great. I told I told Julie, uh, Julie I said, now if you're having a hard time moving around. I would advise you to get into wheelchair because if you are in a wheelchair, you are a Pope magnet. He will come right up to you. So then my daughter, my daughter, I was having a hard time with my knees walking around. She says, next time we're putting you in the wheelchair. <laughs> we're going to put you towards the front. No, next time I will have new knees. So I will not need a, yeah, a wheelchair. Yeah. But. But, but everyone enjoyed it. And they always call out the group. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... And instead of CWBS Catholic Way Bible Study, I think they called out um, Catholic Diocese of Lexington, right, or Saint Leo's in Versailles or something. I don't know. Um, Which is fine. We don't need yeah. that. You know, whatever. Yeah. They knew who they were, right? Yeah, because that's but the main thing. Cheers when they hear you know their name being called out. It's it's Everybody great cheers. fun. And yeah, so. it was great. So then, what do we do after that? After that. Let's see. What did we do? Well, we had lunch because we were always we eating. We had lunch, and that was when we, we jumped back on the bus to go to the Basilica of St. John Lateran. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, again, one of the four major basilicas, and it is very, 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 very beautiful. And that's the one that has all of the apostles mm -hmm. there in gigantic statues, and it's... It really is a beautiful church, and that's that's the the home church of the Pope. Mm -hmm. That's Rome's parish church, and the Pope is the Bishop of Rome from 
the um, from the Church of St. John Lateran. What a lot of people don't understand, for instance, like the various Dan Browns and the people who want to write historical church conspiracies and that kind of stuff. Dan Brown, in his uh, famous um, Da Vinci Code, uh, kept referring to the Vatican. The Vatican this, the Vatican that, the Vatican this, the Vatican that. In a period of time, well before the Vatican, as we understand it, really existed. Before the uh, captivity in Avignon, the French captivity, so before the 1300s, there was no Vatican. There was the Lateran, because the popes lived in the Lateran Palace because it was attached to St. John Lateran, which is one of the main basilicas of Rome. You see what I'm saying? Also another Constantinian Basilica, also construed, constructed in the 4th century. Um, just beautiful. Uh, but it was, it was only after the pope returned from Avignon that they took up residence in what we know today as the Vatican. Why? Because it's on Vatican Hill. Right, mm -hmm. and because it's near the Circo Vaticano, the the Vatican Circus, where Peter was uh, crucified upside down. So, and and there, therefore, that's where Constantine built the first Saint Peter's Basilica. So it all kind of ties together, right? Right, and and you know there are papal states. The popes had standing armies years ago. I mean, there is lots of of uh, people invading from time to time. Mm-hmm. And so... So what was next to the St. John Lateran? What do we do? What did some of us do on their knees? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I, I passed on that, uh, on that too. But it's, um, those are the holy stairs that are... It's, it's just kind of across the street from uh, St. John Lateran. And... The stairs are said to be the stairs that Jesus went up, um, the Pilate's um, residence or wherever he was. There, there. How many steps are there? I'll have to. I've got a booklet on it. There's a fair amount of them. Yeah, and they were brought back by Saint Helena right. from the Holy Land with the relics of the True Cross. Right. And it's and called the Scala Santa. The Scala Santa, yes. The Holy and Stairs. And it was Sixtus uh, V that um, created that sanctuary that, that we see today. And the stairs are covered with, with wood. Wood. Marble stairs. And people will go up. And I just, I've been there before. But on this particular visit, I discovered a book. And there's there are actual prayers that are to be recited mm -hmm. while climbing the holy stairs. Mm -hmm. I just thought people said their rosaries or mm -hmm. whatever prayers they wanted to say. But it's it's a beautiful meditation for each and every stair. And mm -hmm. so next time I go back, I'm going to have my little book and go up the stairs. We didn't have a whole lot of time there to, because it would have taken me a while to do this. But um, Well, it, and knee pads. Yeah. <laughs> I might bring knee pads next time. <laughs> yep, yep. But it's um, it really is a very, very special place to visit. And um, and they're um, up at the top, and I don't know. How, it's A C H E R O P I T A, and that that is like a a painting that's not done by hand. Isn't that what that word means? A C H what? It's A C H E R O P I T A. 
I'll have to. I have my book here. I'll Say that again. A C H. What else? Hold on. Let me get back P to A C H. Hold on. A C H E R O P I T A. Oh, Acheroptis. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. That is yeah. a painting or the image mm -hmm. that's up at the top of the stairs of the Savior. And that means not made by human hands is what that word means. So I don't, it's, it's painted on a wood panel and um, Jesus is, is sitting on a throne, blessing with his right hand and holding the scroll of the gospel in his left hand. The mm -hmm. origin of the image is unknown. Mm -hmm. But that's, as you go up the stairs, that is up at the top of the stairs. That is what you will see. It's of clear Byzantine origin, though. I mean, if you look yeah. at it. Yeah. It's clearly like a Byzantine icon sort of thing. Um, yeah, it was pretty amazing, though. It was pretty cool. All right, then what do we do? Okay, let me see. Where do we go next? We went to... I think we went to Holy Cross. We did go Jerusalem. to Holy Cross in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So there's like um, a big road called La Viela Bicana, uh, which has St. Mary Major on one side and St. John on the other, and then you have Holy Cross in Jerusalem, which is another one of the major basilicas, Constantinian. Now remember, let's go back and revisit what the word basilica means. The word basilica comes from uh, the Greek, basileus, the place where the king reigns, or the place where there is government, or the government place. And original basilicas were more, in the, in the Roman Empire, were more like courthouses. Uh, courthouses... Uh, combined with clerk's offices, combined with something else. So they were public buildings uh, that were large, uh, where you could transact governmental business or stuff like that. Uh, Constantine took this concept, instead of taking the concept of the, of the Romans and the Greek temples, pagan temples, which were usually smaller and, and darker and lower ceiling, uh, this idea was to take instead the Roman idea of the basilica, so the Roman courthouse model, and turn them into churches. And that's what he did for the original building that was stood on the site of the Holy Cross in Jerusalem. It was actually originally one of the, the Roman basilicas that he took and transformed and gave to his mother, Helena, as a residence. Right. And right. where she returned to with the relics from the Holy Land. So, you know, as we know, tradition says Helena, the mother of Constantine, traveled in her 80s, which is pretty impressive when you think about the times. Right. right. Even though she was the empress still. I mean, you know, that was quite a bit of of a deprivation uh, to the Holy Land and um, actually was able to identify the Holy Cross and the relics because she knew where to build. She, I mean, she knew where to dig because those sites had been preserved. And um, and she came back with relics from the True Cross and from the Holy with the Holy Stairs and a few other things uh, like thorns from the Crown of Thorns, some nails. It's very interesting. And the then you think Thomas the Apostle, and and the the writing above the the um, cross, the titulus, the titulus. Yes. yes, exactly. So you know she came back with a stash and she uh, it was kept in this place that was called the Holy Cross in Jerusalem. That's the name of that church. And uh, we actually saw those relics, right? We had, right. didn't we have mass? We had mass downstairs. We had mass downstairs, yes. In the Holy Cross, mm -hmm. which was so cool. Remember, mm -hmm. one thing I will never forget on this trip, how it was colder inside than outside. <laughs> <It was> outside. 
we, we had great mass and froze to death again uh, in another one of these chapels, and then we're able to go upstairs and venerate the relics of the True Cross, which was always a highlight for me, you know. And it was towards the end of the day. Um, there was those three guys who were in charge. It was like the three stooges were in charge. At the, there was not even a front desk. There was this desk in this sort of makeshift um, gift shop, right? Right. And at the end of the day, like it's the end of the day, here, let me give you this calendar. We don't have room for it anymore, you know, that kind of thing, um, which is so typically Italian. But anyway, so it was really, that was really cool. What do we do after that? Well, that that ended that day for us. And then the following day is the day that we went to Castello Theodoli. Oh, good. Yes. It was a field trip. So how, what did you think of it? Oh, my gosh. It was it was so much fun to visit there and to see, you know, a place that goes back in your family to the 1500s. And um, your cousin was absolutely a, a wonderful host to all of us and made mm -hmm. us feel so at home and provided such a lovely lunch and tour. And when you're t when you're saying that it was colder inside than outside, that was colder inside than outside also mm -hmm. in the the castello the castle but it was it was so interesting to hear your family history and how all of it came about um and then to you know to walk in there and this the town is so small it's like a hamlet mm -hmm. and once again it's like a cc where you, the castle's up on top of the hill, and you're looking up there. It's like, oh, we're not going to walk all the way up there, are we? Well, thank goodness your cousin provided cars to take us up because mm -hmm. it is something else to get mm -hmm. up that hill. And, um, you know, the one of the neatest part was to go down in the dungeon mm -hmm. where there's graffiti from people that were held there. There are crosses. There are names. There is all sorts of stuff. And just to think that that was actually used. I mean, that people would use these things. And, and then the, the garden and all of that. And there's a place where you can go out and the view is for miles. I mean, you obviously you're, it was built at the, the top of the, the hill. But my gosh, you can see different towns. We saw the mountains with snow on top in the mm -hmm. distance. I mean, mm -hmm. it was just remarkable. And we, we also got to walk in your kitchen. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not my kitchen, thankfully. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know how many years that went back, but oh, my gosh. They obviously have not updated the kitchen. It has not been updated for 100 years, I would say. Oh, my gosh. But they had, they had things going and food cooking, and the meal was lovely. But honestly, what I noticed the most is that we're so used to open floor plans and lots of windows and light. Well, when you live in a castle, you don't have a lot of wide windows and a lot of natural light in certain places. And it's cold in the wintertime. Oh, it's freezing. We, there was a fireplace going. There were other heaters going. It was still cold because oh my gosh. the ceilings are so high. Yeah. And the wood was still there that framed this castle. I mean, it's the architecture is really interesting. Hmm. Um, and, of course, we weren't there at the time of the year where, you know, everything's blooming and the garden's going and all of that. But it, everyone enjoyed it so much. It what was about just, Mass? I thought Mass was cool. Oh, well, Mass was, you, here in this town, Theodoli have their own little church in the 
town. And then the town has another church for the town. I mean, it's remarkable. And then the castle, there's a little church, a little Mm -hmm. chapel. So, yes, the mass was wonderful. And um, the two men that, that were like deacons, you know, during the mass, they were just charming. I mean, you, you thought at first that they were, you know, going to um, be real stern and all of that because they're dressed in this, like a white cassock, but with this red um, cape around them. And But they were so helpful and so sweet. And we had someone playing the music the organ and the music. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. It was like they couldn't wait to entertain us. Mm-hmm. Um, it was lovely. And the parish priest came who didn't speak a word of English. And thank goodness you speak Italian because um, he couldn't have been more charming and, and happy to see all of us. And then he insisted that we go over to his church and tour that, which we did. And um, and it's like, you know, all these places are just steps away from the castle. It was, it's, and of course the chapel that we had mass in is, is the chapel that you were married in. Exactly. And I think yeah. the last time I was there, was almost 37 years ago when oh I got married. You know, it looks <laughs> better now. Changed. <laughs> it looks better now. It looks like they've repainted it and all that oh. stuff. But. Well, it was, um, it was just a remarkable day. And the parish priest there, I'll let you tell everyone what he gave Father Chris Clay. Everybody, anybody who knows Father, our dear Father Chris, our chaplain on this and many other trips, a holy man who uh, has a particular devotion to relics. relics. And if you've ever prayed mm-hmm. with him, he has a little suitcase he carries around, briefcase with relics, and he'll like um, sort he of just array them. them out on the table. On a table whenever there's a moment mm-hmm. to pray and all that stuff. And so he has, you know, you know Father Chris has a thing for relics, right? Yes. So this guy, Don Giuseppe, who not spoke, did not speak a word of English, had never seen Father Chris, actually first asked me for a letter from the bishop to make sure that Father Chris was a Catholic priest. You know, and not an Episcopalian priest. <laughs> He's like, is he Catholic? I'm like, yeah. What do you think? I, you know, what are you talking about? So anyway, after he, you know, realized that Father Chris was on the up and up, then we go have mass. Then we come back. And Father and Don Giuseppe says, come and see my parish church. So we went in to see the parish church. And then he comes out and he says to me, he says, the Holy Spirit told me to give this relic to Father Chris. And I'm like, wait. What? <laughs> what did you just say? You're trying mm-hmm. to give Father Chris a relic? Uh, no. And he says, yes, I, you know, when the big guy upstairs speaks, you have to listen to him. He kept pointing up, you know. Isn't that something? And he gave Father Chris a relic that he was given when he was ordained as a priest. And it is a relic of the cure of ours, St. Jean Vianney, of St. John Vianney, you know, who is the mm-hmm. patron saint of parish priests. And uh, needless to say, I think Father Chris was floored by this whole oh thing. Oh, my gosh. He tried not to accept it, but um, then he did. So I thought that was that was particularly. Oh my gosh. And we have pictures of the two of them and the, the smile on Father Chris's face. I mean, he was just radiating such joy mm-hmm. at, at seeing this. But, but you know, so thankful that, that this priest would. Give this to him. And that the priest would be receptive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what what a place. Oh my you know? gosh. It was just it was just the most remarkable day. And you know, when we when we after this when we had our, our what we called our farewell lunch, um, you know, it was a time for everyone to kind of 
reflect upon everything that had gone on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, they were a happy group of people, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, we weathered rain and wind mm-hmm. and cold. Snow. And, and all sorts of things on this pilgrimage. But it was like, it was, that was okay because it was worth it, you know? Yeah. That was it, a good going away thing. Oh, my gosh. Right? It was. It was. So on balance, I thought somebody said this was one of the better trips. I've been on all of them, and I would say, yes, this, this is, was really a remarkable trip. Well, it really was. And, They're you know, all people, good, but this, this was remarkable. Well, also, we, pay, we emphasize the right things. You know, we emphasize mm-hmm. the prayer of the Liturgy of the Hours, the morning prayer, the evening prayer. We emphasize Mass and the Rosary and staying prayerful and praying for people for healing and praying for people for especially, you know. And, and, you know, one of the nice things was there were a lot of couples. There were mostly couples on this mm-hmm. trip, mm-hmm. which is unusual, I think. And I think that was really such a blessing mm-hmm. for for them to be together going through all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there was, um, and and one of the, the nice things when we went to Loretto, uh, one of the people on the trip grew up in Loretto, Kentucky. <laughs> so I had him do the readings that day. I mean, there every now and then the, you would hear something and it would just kind of correspond with where we were going, what we were doing. Um, it, it was just, um, we only had, had one Sunday mass and the, the couple that did the readings, he didn't want to do it. And I said, well, you're going to have to because I've chosen you. And so, yeah, right. No backing down. You know? And then the two of them walked up together to do the readings and his wife did the first one, did the Psalm. And then he did the second. He was radiating after that. He was that. great. He was, he great. was just so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. So you just, people experience different things and they kind of get out of their comfort zone you know, during the masses and as we're seeing things, it's, you can, you know, everything's clicking. Oh my gosh, this really is where this happened. This is so unique to see these relics, uh, to walk this, you know, the streets of Rome and then to stop at this building and go down the stairs to see where St. Paul was a prisoner for his first imprisonment for two years. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a very unusual trip, and you know we're—I'm sure you're not going to have any problem in convincing some of these people to go back. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, I just leave it to the Holy Spirit. You know, the next trip mm-hmm. we're taking is Israel, so mm-hmm. we're Israel-bound, kind of facing towards that right now. But you know, the point is that everything we do, really, everything I do as a ministry, is always pointed towards directing people towards the Lord, towards grace, towards the Holy Spirit towards our Blessed Mother, uh, and to know that there's always more, especially on a pilgrimage. There's always exactly. more. There's always more. Absolutely. And as time goes on, we're going to hear more and more about blessings and everything coming out of this trip. Amen. So, Well, that's it. Thank you for joining us. 